the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Tuesday the 25th. You're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Warner, alongside me Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Morning. Good morning. How we doing? The fam is back together. Yeah, everybody's back. The gang's all here, as they say. <laughs> so how, uh, how was it la- at the end of last week? It was good. It was good. Definitely had some uh, craziness go on, I'd say, over the weekend and into the start of this week. And I'm sure we, uh, we're we not going to ignore the big green and white elephant in the room as of <laughs> What, the night. Joey Fisher's probably going to be blocking for Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Out of nowhere? So I, I Actually, I was kind of shocked that because uh, there was the rumors going around that Namath was going to allow the Jets to unretire 12 and him play with 12, but... Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, but I'm he's going to play with eight. And he's going to worry. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what he wore at Cal. Yes, that is what he wore at Cal. Well, I didn't even think of, uh, I didn't even think of that with Joe Namath in there. Do you think, so who is, do, you don't think Aaron Rodgers is a big enough name to wear Joe Namath or, you know, the organization be like, yeah, you know what is, you can wear. He, he should. shouldn't. I yeah. mean, he's only going to be there for two years. You that's know, That's true. Broadway Joe we're talking about here. I that's mean, true. He well, most overrated player in NFL history, by the way. <laughs> Joe Namath? Yes. Way to drop that one here. Wow. I'd love to. Uh, well, briefly, why do you think he, that? He is a integral piece of NFL history, but he is only known for the guarantee. That is it. Historically, he's not a great passer, and he's one of the worst Hall of Famers in NFL history. Jeez. He's important to the game of football, but yeah. he's not a Hall of Fame level quarterback. I'm sorry. All right. Well, fair enough. If you got any thoughts on that, you can text us 304-263-4321. Yeah, uh, is Joe Namath the most, in Parker's words, the most overrated NFL player <laughs> of all time? You can text us 304-263-4321. We'll get to talk about that here after a little while. we got a ton of baseball-related news to talk about around the panhandle. But first, let's get into some scores from over the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So we talked a little bit about what had happened over the weekend yesterday, but yeah, oh, these teams. Yeah, because today's Tuesday, not Monday. These, these <laughs> I'm sorry, these teams uh, coming down to the end of their schedules. This is where things get weird because they're jamming so many games into a short period of time. Uh, so Hedgesville is in action yesterday in baseball. They beat Allegheny eight to seven. Jefferson beat Frankfurt fifteen to two. Musselman dropped an interesting game to East Hardy five to four. Musselman had that tough loss last Friday uh, at home versus Hedgesville. They dropped this game to East Hardy as well. You know, they're just uh, you want to make sure you're. Clean it on because when sectional play starts uh things get a little bit rougher spring mills loses to clear springs and then the one softball score was spring mills losing to james woods 20 to tw- uh, two uh but as it stands you know hedgesville starting to run away with that number one spot in the section just like jefferson has done in theirs if musselman's not able to catch up and it's crucial tonight because on our airways we have jefferson against musselman uh if musselman loses this game I, I believe it would go ahead and shore up the fact that Jefferson's already claimed their top spot in the section, but that Hedgesville would get the top spot in the Berkeley County section, and that would mean Musselman and Martinsburg are vying to see who the two would be, which isn't the biggest deal, but you want to be the top seed. You want to be able to host it you know, and, and just make things easier on yourself. 
Um, so that's kind of what's at stake. Musselman needs to stop the slide. Jefferson needs to finish out the season strong because people still can't figure out how legit they are. You know, we talked about it yesterday with the Metro News power rankings. They've claimed back, climbed back into the top five because they had some hitters at the beginning of the season that got off to a slow start that are starting to wake up, and they've certainly got one of the best pitching staffs in the state. So a lot of stake for that game tonight and a lot of stake for the games that happened uh, yesterday as well. Uh, can Musselman turn it around? Is Jefferson and Hedgesville going to be the two teams to beat here in this region? Yeah, for Spring Mills, that loss to Clear Springs, not that bad of a loss. I mean, yeah. 11 to nothing looks bad, but Clear Springs one of the better teams in the state of Maryland. So you can kind of brush that one off. And what, Maryland game, the Maryland teams, they don't count towards any. No, stuff, not right? at all. It's yeah. just, you know. I you feel, just don't want a loss like that. You just feel bad for Spring Mills because the way they started and the way they ended the yeah. season is going to be two completely different ways. But for Jefferson, it's good to see him beat uh, a Frankfurt team 15 to 2 because Frankfurt's always pretty good at baseball and they got a good, uh, was it, culture of baseball out that way um, but you're right it is interesting with Jefferson because it seems like no matter how good they are there's always that kind of shadow above them like well how good really are they once they get out of their little area and get down into the rest of the state but it seems like I don't know it seems like they got a pretty good ball team going right now yeah and they pitched in this game uh, Gross Hefner and Duncan Gross had only thrown six innings before this appearance Hefner was one of their guys and Duncan had only thrown uh, around five innings as well so that showed the depth that they have you know Hefner Fletcher Morgan those are kind of the big name guys for this team as well Kelly so they were able to only give up two runs through six innings to a team um, by throwing you know not their top guys and that's important for depth you know, you never know when you get down to obviously you got to get through sectional play and regional play, which is no guarantee for Jefferson. But you have no idea when you get into a postseason and you think, oh, great, we've got, well, I don't want to use one of their names, but, you know, we've got so and so throwing today. He can bridge us between today and tomorrow. We get more arms. And then that guy gives up six runs in the first inning. Well, then all of a sudden, now what do we do? You know, this team's got really good depth. I think Jefferson, I think, is the strongest staff from top to bottom. Hedgesville may have the best front line guys, but I think that Jefferson's got the most depth, and I think that's why those are the two teams that are drawing the most attention. Musselman's got some guys that can rake as well, don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's the star power starting to separate from the other organizations, mm-hmm. and Hedgesville and Jefferson and pitching has a lot to do with that. And I think the big thing with Musselman right now is they have to find a way to get consistent, as they were towards the start of the season. That's the big issue right now. You see them drop a game against East Hardy. It's a team that was 11-9 and coming into this game. That's a game you cannot afford to drop if you're Musselman. And hopefully this is just a hiccup into the cycle for the Appleman if they're trying to make their way to Charleston. But these are the games you got to win at this end point of the season. Most teams have about, what, three, maybe four games left in your season before you get into sectional play. You, you don't want a hiccup like that to come up towards the end of your season. And you got a team in Jefferson that's red hot right now. You have a team in Hedgesville who's been on a roll right now. If you're Musselman, you've got a tall, tall task ahead of you if you want to crawl back into that conversation. Right now, they're really, I think, team number three right now. And you can't discount a team like Martinsburg, too. They've had moments where they've looked like a really good team. They were really good at the early part of the season. Can they catch that fire that they had at the start of the season? Maybe they pull off some upsets as well. But really, it's it's a open race. I think right now, of course, if you were to peg who would probably be in the regional final, it would probably be Hedgesville, and it would probably be Jefferson right now. But again, Musselman, if they can get consistent, I think they got something to say about it. I'm sure you guys talked about it yesterday, but you can look at it over on our Twitter page at EP Sports Network, the Metro News uh, power rankings for high school baseball. Hurricane, Spring Valley, Jefferson, that's your top three, and then Hedgesville uh, and Musselman at five and six. You look at these power rankings, and uh, of course, this is just from Metro News, so take it as you will. Uh, But it's interesting 
to see where some of these other kind of powerhouse teams historically are shaken out this year. You know, you got Bridgeport usually in the yeah. top half there, towards the bottom half. University, GW also kind of down. Well, that's seven, eight, nine, really. That group of three, you're used to seeing, you know, three, four, five, six spots higher. You're absolutely right. People don't know that vacuum of power. I've been able to keep up with what's going on around that North Central way. Morgantown, everybody thought was going to be coming out of there. No problem. No questions asked. Uh, but then Bridgeport beats them and then University beats them. And then Buchanan Upshur beats Bridgeport. Like nobody knows yeah. who's going to come out of that region. It's so wide open right now. So that creates, like you said, a vacuum of power that these other teams are trying to fill. Uh, and I think people think that the two areas that that's going to come from are the Southern Coalfields and the Eastern Panhandle because those are the teams that are getting the praise. Spring Valley, Hurricane. Hurricane historically has always got some guys that can mm-hmm. hit. Uh, you know, I know Spring Valley's got some top end starting pitching, uh, and teams at the bottom there. GW is always incredibly talented. They have a really big talent pool to draw from there on the hill, and then the three Panhandle schools. So with Bridgeport down a little bit and Morgantown again, nobody has any idea who's going to come out of that region. And you know that between Musselman, Hedgesville, and Jefferson, that a really good team is going to come out of this area. And between Spring Mills, I'm sorry, Spring Valley. Uh, Hurricane and GW, a really good team, is going to come out of that part of the state. That's where people are looking for that void of power to uh, to be filled from uh, is one of those areas. So there's an opportunity for a Panhandle yep. team because I think that teams out here have more pitching than mm-hmm. anybody else to go down to Charleston and make some noise. Here's some pretty good records throughout the state too: fifteen oh, yeah. and five, seventeen and four, eighteen and six. I mean, Musselman at eighteen and six and still sixth on the uh and they've lost three rankings. games in a row they're 18 yeah. three, well they, they don't have the loss from yesterday you know they were 18 and four at one mm-hmm. point wow well we can uh, we'll keep you up to date with that right here on wpm and wcst the panhandle news network and real quick luke let people know about the game tonight yeah again it's musselman against jefferson it's at musselman it's going to be a, a, a really fun matchup that hedgesville musselman game we had last friday it was six to five going into the six it was a really well played well pitched game it means more to musselman than it means to jefferson uh, so you got a, an Appleman team playing with everything to lose and a Jefferson team that's just playing loose. It's going to be fun. And this one starts early. Programming note, this one tonight is at 6 o'clock. Uh, so you're going to want to tune in early. You're going to miss half the game. And, uh, of course, we also have Baltimore Orioles baseball right here on WPM and WCST. We'll get to that. Uh, we should be able to get to that after, well, their game's at 635 as well. So maybe uh, it'll just be like the last well last week uh, or Friday two weeks night, ago. The, the Musselman Hedgesville game ended came right it, at the end. They of the started night. at the same time and the high school game ended later. Really? Yeah. I, wow, that's, that's a talk, testament to the pitch clock. The pitch clock, exactly. <laughs> I was giving updates and the whole game I'm saying, well, we'll join the Orioles in progress. And then like, oh, we're in the mind. sixth oh, and I have mind. a final score. <laughs> well, we'll have you covered uh, either with or without your Orioles baseball right here on WPM and WCST. But we also have high school baseball tonight. Uh, but we'll step aside for a few minutes. We'll be back with more Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. And as we all know, baseball used to be in Hagerstown with the Hagerstown Suns for a long, 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 long time. Baseball's been in Hagerstown, I think, for over 100 years. Uh, And then it was gone because the affiliated baseball stuff, you know how it all went. Everything got jumbled up and uh, Hagerstown was left with no stadium and no team. Well, now they have a stadium, they have a team, but they needed somebody to run all that, and they had their uh, press conference yesterday to announce their new general manager, David Blankenstone. Now, that name might sound familiar to those that uh, have been around Hagerstown baseball or 
uh, fans of the Suns back in the day because he was the GM from 92 to 96 back in the day when they were with the Toronto Blue Jays. Man, I was just a uh, just a young boy back when uh, that was the time. But it seems like it's a promising uh, new age for baseball in Hagerstown. They had the press conference downtown at the Harold Mail Building right off-site from uh, where they're going to put the stadium on Summit Avenue. And I was able to catch up with David Blakestone after the press conference yesterday to get some of his words and thoughts on well, taking over baseball in Hagerstown. David Blankenstone is going to be running the team. Uh, big announcement today. You're a you're a local uh, resident. You've been around the Hagerstown Suns before. So how's it feel to be uh, uh, an instrumental, a vital part in this renaissance of baseball? It's an exciting time. It's um, you know, I kind of feel like I've come full circle a little bit. I was in minor league baseball for 15 years and then education for 20. And... Um, you know, when this opportunity presented itself, it was really a combination of things. So obviously, anybody who's been in this business for as long as I was, uh, working in an older facility, is, uh, you know, working in a new ballpark is, is really attractive and a once-in-a-lifetime experience to open a new facility like that. Uh, but like I said before, the ownership group is phenomenal. Uh, there's a lot of excitement uh, around this project. And it's just going to be a crazy 12 months, but I look forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'd say 12 months is a pretty quick turnaround for a you know, state-of-the-art facility here in downtown Hagerstown. How has the process been going with the stadium being built? So I know they've been doing a lot of site work over the last four or five months. And, you know, it should be another six weeks, two months maybe, before people start to see the structure come out of the ground. Mm-hmm. And that'll be the real exciting part. Then it becomes a little bit more tangible. And um, so it will really be a, quite an experience to see this thing come to come, come to to grow and, and to be built and, and eventually to open a year from now. Well, you were part of uh, Municipal Stadium, which... Uh of course had its quirks and its uh, different things and this is going to be brand new and I think those quirks kind of let people astray from coming down to the ballpark uh, in later years of the sun so with this new stadium do you think that's going to revitalize the 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 inner baseball fan of people not just in Hagerstown but maybe in the panhandle of West Virginia as well yeah I mean our our market is is definitely from Chambersburg to the panhandle so we uh, would love to see a lot of West Virginia folks at the ballpark um you know, Municipal Stadium had its challenges, and I think it just uh, you know, it got to the point at the end where uh, people were a little bit worn down by the by the talk of a new stadium, and cause, you know that had been going on for years. And now to see this come to fruition and to see this project happening before our eyes, um, like I said, it's just going to be a completely different fan experience. Uh, this will be a much more fan-friendly facility uh, for people who don't love baseball. They just they just love entertainment. You know, they just want to do something social and get to hang out with their friends and, and their families. Uh, this will provide a much better fan experience, which, to be honest, people weren't getting at the old facility, unfortunately. And that's the new general manager for the not yet named at Hagerstown baseball team, David Blankenstone, after the announcement yesterday of him being the general manager. And, you know, 12 months, that's a quick turnaround, fellas. Of course, this isn't affiliated baseball. This is the Atlantic League of Professional Baseball. So I guess you can kind of uh, associate that as independent ball or in that kind of same world. But you'll see a lot of big-name guys that get released, you know, from camp somewhere, and they need somewhere to go, and they can pop up into here or in this league, and there's going to be a Frederick team, so there's a rivalry built in there. I, I think it's exciting. It, it'll be interesting to see how it all kind of shakes out, but I just love minor league baseball for sake of uh, using the title. I love minor league baseball, and having it close and back in Hagerstown again I think is going to be a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I took a second just to kind of look at um, 
into the history of uh, the, I think it was Ivy Lane Park first in Hagerstown and then Municipal Park that was there from the 30s and the yep. minor league culture that they had there since the 80s and how they played there, yeah, all kinds of people. How, how integral it, it, it's been to the city. So it's a shame to see, and it was a shame to see that ballpark turned torn down because it was one of the three oldest ballparks still standing. Uh, but, you know, all for the sake of progress and hopefully continuing to build the brand in Hagerstown. What's cool about this league uh, is it can occasionally become a testing ground. They're not affiliated with Major League Baseball, but Major League Baseball will ask this league uh, to do stuff for them. The pitch clock started mm-hmm. in this league in 20, 2019. Uh, and other changes like that. And it has an opportunity for you to do some things that an average minor league baseball team wouldn't be able to do. Uh, People may be familiar with um, the Savannah Bananas. Mm -hmm. They just played the Dirty Birds in Charleston, sold out all three games. And I saw some of the videos. It's funny. It's kind of like the Globetrotters, but baseball, you know, that's something that Hagerstown could could potentially bring up. You know, uh, I was reading the charter from the league. They want these stadiums and these facilities to be at double A or triple A level. They want these to be communities that can support 4,000 to 7,000 state stadiums. So it's clear that they have a very high opinion of Hagerstown. And like you said, there's going to be some fun reclamation stories, people trying to get back to the bigs or older guys that have played at a high level in Major League Baseball that just want mm-hmm. to keep playing ball. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great thing. And I'll be interested to see the stadium too once it's done because where it's at, right in downtown Hagerstown, I'm going to make a comparison here that might be a little aggressive if you know what it is, but think of it at a, at a Hagerstown level. You know, down in... Um, Charlotte with their minor league team, the Charlotte Knights, they have their stadium right downtown and it's beautiful. You got the skyline behind uh, the outfield wall, kind of the perfect setup for a minor league stadium. Now, of course, scale that down to Hagerstown level and that's what it's going to be. I mean, outfield, you're going to be seeing, you know, the, the steeples of the churches downtown. You're going to be seeing city hall and things and different old brick buildings. I think it's going to be a great place to watch some baseball. Now, as much as I'm down for Savannah Bananas stuff, I'd still like to see some normal baseball being played. Yeah, I know they course. have two teams, I think. They have like the the show team and then the the team team for the Savannah Bananas. Or maybe they just do like what four innings and switch yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um now, yeah, so I think it'd be great. I mean, it'd be fun to go watch. But I the inner the normal baseball fan of me wants to see some normal baseball going. But what do you think, Parker? I think it's a, it's a pretty good sign for things to come. No, I definitely think so. And I know since the Suns discontinued the organization, there's been a little bit of a hole in baseball in the Hagerstown and, well, adjacently the Panhandle area in Chambersburg, as mentioned before. This coming back in is going to be really exciting. I'm really interested to see how this is going to turn out, how things are going to operate in this system. Really good management, really good ownership coming in. It's going to be exciting, and yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like we mentioned, possibly some guys who were kind of big names in the majors going to come down, try and get their buzz back up, head back up to the majors. Maybe some younger guys, local guys potentially. You see guys from maybe like Potomac State or Shepard Mm -hmm. or teams out in the Mountain East that are trying to continue baseball outside of college come here, get their name out there, and then maybe sign on a minor league deal or something like that. It's the potential to see stars of baseball before really they break out, which is going to be really fun to see. So, again, it, it's going to be fun. And main thing is baseball coming back into the Hagerstown and the adjacent areas. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting, and there's a lot of buzz behind it and warranted so. Oh, yeah, and uh, over at PanhandleNewsNetwork.com, I'll have a thing up there a little bit later on, and uh, David Blinkstone went on to say how, you know, it's not just Hagerstown they're going for. Of course, it's Greencastle, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, all the way down here into the Panhandle, probably even more into Winchester as well. So it covers this whole 81 corridor, 70 corridor 
uh, all through the area. And who doesn't want to go watch some fun local baseball, especially if you get some of these uh, young guns coming through here. And you talked about getting uh, a chance in the show, Parker. Well, a local guy got a chance in the show last night. Bretton Doyle, former Shepherd Ram, uh, getting up to the show with the Colorado Rockies. And pretty neat stuff. Now, of course, he's not from the Panhandle. He's from Virginia, but he played at Shepherd. He was one of the best Shepherd baseball players, really, at least in the last 15 years. And uh, he got a shot yesterday. Dream come true. Didn't quite have the production I think he would want uh, at the plate, but still got on base, scored a run. And all in all, I think you can count that as a, a pretty good first day of work for Brenton Doyle. Absolutely. And he's somebody that had a, a really, really fun collegiate career. Uh, with Shepard, 32 home runs, 52 stolen bases over a span of three years. You know, was getting on base over half the time his senior year. Uh, he was somebody that was a fourth round pick, if I'm correct, of the Rockies yes. 2019, which is if they want to find you, they're going to find you, you know, at this level. And he was a top 20 organizational prospect for him before he got called up. So he's not like, you know, that guy that got po- called up for the Pirates the other day that didn't get an at bat that's like a 13 year career mm-hmm. minor leaguer. He's not, they want him to be a piece of their future. They want him to come up and compete at a high level because he's a legitimate five tool player. And it'll be interesting to get some people's thoughts on him. And, you know, Warrington's only an hour down the road. Right. So he's, he's grandfathered into the right. panhandle and got on base, scored a run, although he was 0 for 3. He has signed a good things to come because he's hit at every level he's been at. Absolutely so. And it's exciting. Again, you come out of fourth round pick, you work through the minors, and the fact that he's Worked his way up from 2019. It's only taken him this long as a fourth-round pick to get up to the majors. That's impressive for someone coming, again, from a smaller school in Shepard at the Division II level, working your way up to the minor leagues, getting up there, and getting able to score a run in a major league debut. That's, that's a really cool story there for Doyle. As mentioned, he's he's good on defense, got a good bat on him. He's hit well at every place he's been. And this is a Colorado Rockies team where, well, they're not going to be super competitive right now, but they are trying to build something for the future in some of their prospects. They got they got good pieces like Daniel Bard, who's a really good reliever for them, who's taking a break right now. You've got pieces like Chris Bryant. You've got pieces in this roster, and they got a pretty good farm system farm system coming up right now. Guys like C.J. Crone, Ryan McMahon, Mike Moustakis coming off the bench for them. Charlie Blackman, who's been a stalwart of the Colorado Rockies for a long, long time. They have some pieces here and there. They're mainly just trying to focus on what their future is going to be, if they're going to try and win or if they're going to try and build for a longer future. But I see Doyle as a plan for that. Again, he's only 24 years old, and he should be a key piece to potentially what the Rockies want to do here in the coming years. Yeah, for a young guy like him, it's really not a bad thing to be on a bad or in a bad organization, if you will, because that means you get up to the top a little quicker like he is. And when you look at his Shepard bio, I feel like I'm looking at Tyson Bajan's Shepard bio, (laughs) the amount of first teams and, you know, different awards and players of the week and years and tournament teams that he made uh, while I was at Shepard. Pretty, pretty impressive, and it's pretty cool uh, that he got his chance last night to make a name for himself in the show. And we'll be chatting here in just a few minutes with his college coach, Matt McCarty, uh, to hear his thoughts on you know his guy getting a shot at the show. It's pretty cool. It's got to be even cooler you know, from his perspective, seeing the growth of a high school kid now to a uh, professional athlete. So we'll be chatting with him after the break here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And joining us on the line, Shepherd baseball coach McCarty. How you doing, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? We're doing all right. So uh, did you stay up late last night and watch that game that Brent was in? I did. It was uh, it was pretty awesome. 
So uh, it's got to be a pretty cool feeling for you being his uh, college coach, seeing him, you know, from that young kid coming into Shepherdstown and then leaving as that grown man going into uh, the professional ranks. And I'm sitting here looking at his honors and awards, and I don't think we have enough time in today or tomorrow's show to go through all those honors and awards. But when he came to Shepherdstown, did you uh, did you expect him to be this, you know, uh, major league baseball player? Um, actually, yeah. I mean, we knew that he had the potential to do it, um, just the way that kind of his story of how he ended up at Shepard, um, uh, kind of a last minute thing. He was committed to division one school, uh, decommitted really late. Um, we had some players on our team that, um, were teammates of his and that's how we ended up getting him here to Shepard. And, um, uh, we had high expectations for him, uh, from the day he stepped on campus and, he lived up to those and um, exceeded a lot of those expectations in his three years that he was that shepherd. So to see what he's doing now, um, we're, it's it's everything that we thought he could be. Uh, he's just – he eats, sleeps, lives baseball. Um, his work ethic from the time he stepped on campus to, to now, he was always the hardest-working guy in the room, and um, his hard work's paying off for him. Well, Coach, before we talk a little bit more about uh, a really impressive career at Shepard, I unfortunately wasn't able to watch the game last night. Saw he got on base and scored a run. He goes 0 for 3, but in your uh, professional opinion, Coach, I mean, how did he look in those at-bats? Did he look comfortable? Is is there an opportunity for him to stick with this roster? Uh, I think so. He he definitely looked poised. He looked apart. Um, I mean, physically, he stands out when he's on the field, whether he's uh, first time being up there or not. He uh, he looks the part. He's He's Last night he uh, he did he went 0 for three but um, he put put together good at bats and and had a chance he actually uh, I in my opinion I thought he was one for three uh, they they challenged it in the eighth inning mm. um, on a bang bang play at first base they challenged it and it was overturned so he was called safe on the field and uh, so his his first hit was in limbo he had to wait a little bit and then it was taken away from him so. Uh, yeah, we're actually our staff and and everything's going up tonight. So we're uh, heading up to Cleveland tonight to go see him play. But he looked the part. He looked poised, um, and I, I do think he's got a chance to stick up there just from um, the makeup and what he's done on his resume up to this point. Well, can you talk a little bit about his evolution as a hitter then? Because you look at his Shepard statistics in the first season, a little bit more of a speed guy, batting average around 330, ran the base as well, but then double-digit home runs the previous seasons after that maintained that speed. And he's somebody that had a 375 on base percentage as a freshman and then 500 uh, as a junior. I mean, like you said, is it just somebody that really put some hours into his craft and, and really evolved both uh, in his maturity and uh, physically at the plate? Yeah, I, I mean – uh, early on in his career, we had him. Um, I mean, we he kind of bounced around all up and down our lineup, and um, after after year one, um, just just his physical makeup. He he dedicated himself to the weight room. Um, again, his work ethic was through the roof, and um, he had a good summer. His first summer uh, in summer ball, and kind of learned how to uh, what kind of hitter he was, and what he could be, um, and and kind of. He worked hand-in-hand uh, hand with uh, Austin Guy, who was our hitting coach at the time, and um, they developed a really good relationship, and uh, a lot of credit goes to him on on helping Doyle kind of find his his way. Uh, but, I mean, his, his progression, I mean, he hits the ball um, extremely well to all fields. He can run, um, and I think that he has a ton of power to – to the opposite field, and I and I think that plays a big part of where he is today, is because 
um, he he learned at a young age to hit the ball the other way and and do it with with some power um, and and it translated. And as he got bigger and stronger, um, those results got better and better. And you mentioned that power, Coach. Of course, Bren's playing with the Colorado Rockies, and with the Rockies comes the uh, hitter's advantage at Coors Field and such like that. Have you all talked about that at length, Danny? Has Brenton brought that up? Any maybe the uh, potential of hitting more maybe home runs than expected over in Coors Field with that added elevation? Um, he, he hadn't mentioned it too much. I, we kind of joked about it because actually he – he uh, got hurt um, in AAA. He ran into a wall, banged up his knee, so he he uh, had to sit out for about eight games. Um, and we were we were texting back and forth and just keeping me updated on his MRI results. And everything came back negative. Said it was going to be sore for a little bit and uh, hurt to slide. And I was like, well, if you hit the ball over the fence, you're not going to have to slide. <laughs> he said he likes that plan and um, his. Uh, the four or five games that he played, uh, once he got back, I think he had five home runs in those games. So, um, whatever whatever he did, and uh, uh, it, it was working for him. And I think that's why he got this call up is he was able to show that he could hit at that level with some power. And um, there were some injuries above him in the, at the major league level. So, um, he's getting his chance. We're speaking with Shepard baseball coach Matt McCarty talking about former Ram Brenton Doyle getting his first uh, appearance up in the bright lights of the show. Now, he's going to be going against Peyton Battenfield tonight. Uh, 0-1 is Battenfield's record, a 1.69 ERA. Now, I'm not going to ask you for a scouting report on anybody because I'm sure you don't have it on Peyton Battenfield, of all people. Uh, but you're going up there to check out Brenton up in the show. I mean, uh, are you going to be able to catch up with him at all? Or are you just going up to watch and maybe yell his name and hope he sees you? Uh, I hope so. Uh, I, I spoke to his mother a little bit last night, and uh, we have a, a former player that was able to uh, that's in the Ohio area in Erie. He was there last night and was able to sit uh, pretty close and sit there with his family. So that's that's our hopes tonight is to be able to get down there close. There wasn't a whole lot of fans there last night, so we're hoping that we can get down there and uh, and be close to the action and and root on our guy. And then we have a we have a handful of, uh, of guys that are going back, former teammates of his, um, our our coaching staff here at Shepherd. So it's going to be a fun night. Well, coach, before we let you go, uh, of course, this edition of Shepherd Rams baseball, the season's coming to an end. You got three games left before uh, conference tournament play gets started. You're at Lock Haven, then the Bald Eagles come into town or into Shepherdstown at 29th uh, for a doubleheader. So, what are you thinking with the Bald Eagles coming into town? And uh, briefly, can you kind of summarize this season for the Rams? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this weekend coming in, we gotta we gotta continue to swing the bat well. We have to uh, make sure that uh, we continue to we we showed some pro- progress uh, on the mound in in game uh, three at Millersville. We struggled a little bit um, over the middle of the plate and and with and with walks. To be honest, that's kind of what we talked about early on uh, the last time we spoke was being able to fill up the zone on the mound. And uh, we have some young guys that are that are learning um and, and nerves maybe get get the best of them and whatever it may be but um offensively we just gotta we can't really worry too much too much about what the opponent's doing if we show up and we play good clean baseball um we swing the bat well continue to do that um good things are going to happen for us so uh it's just it's just being able to get zeros early in the game on the defensive side and be able to put up uh put up runs on the offensive side early on yeah, we're speaking with Shepherd baseball coach Matt McCarty. And, uh, well, we'll let you go. Thank you for taking a little bit of time to chat with us this morning. Have a safe trip up to Cleveland tonight, and I hope uh, Brenton has a good game for you. I appreciate that. Thank you, guys. Absolutely.
Again, that's Shepherd baseball coach Matt McCarty talking about Brett and Doyle. Pretty cool. That's got to be really cool for him to uh, be able. Especially, I didn't realize they were playing in Cleveland. To be quite honest, yeah, we should and, go. Uh, I know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that might, might be the only reason I've ever wanted to go to Cleveland. Uh, but that's that's pretty neat that they, everybody's able to kind of experience that. A great pull by you with the Cleveland starter, by the way. I didn't even think to look at that, and I have no idea who that person Peyton, is. He was well here. He was a ninth round pick. Uh, he got touched up a little bit against the Yankees on the twelfth. Uh, and against Detroit. Uh, so he's on the just 18th. as nervous as Brenton's going to be. Yeah, uh, ninth round pick out of Oklahoma State. So it's really, I would have done one of his games then. I've, 2019 <laughs> draft. Yeah, I have oh, no wow. recollection of that guy. Uh, but it's uh, it's a really cool story. And, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what this does for Shepard recruiting. So, hey, we've got guys in the major leagues. we got a fourth round pick. I saw it happen with football. Yeah, there you go. come out of this. I mean, what? how big of a boost is that going to be? How big of a boost is it going to be for the guys at the plate? Because they got a couple of, whether or not they're going to be playing professional baseball, the guys that take professional at-bats on this team, and Sam Daggers and Ross, Ross Mulhall, you know, those guys, to elevate their game and say, here's a guy that came in, he was okay as a freshman, hit 330, ran the base as well, and two years later he's a fourth-round pick. You know, So hopefully that can be something as a motivator for the players that are there and recruit more players coming in because this team, they kind of remind me of uh, Greg Van Zandt's Mountaineer teams. You know, one year they're loaded offensively and they have no pitching. Then the next year they've got young, you know, really good pitching and a really young offense. You know, this team's lost unfortunately eight of their last nine games in conference play, uh, just because I think that inexperience on the mound came up to bite them. But if they can get everything going at once and use this as a calling card to get players to come to this program and play at a high level, this is the kind of thing that can certainly turn a program around and get them to compete at a high level. Well, you can text us 304-263-4321. And we got text here saying uh, maybe I've missed it and they can't listen to every minute of the show. But any conversation on how Hedgesville product Kyle West is doing down at UC and a quick quick look shows that he's batting 393, not bad. Uh, he's got a slugging at 881, uh, a few walks here and there, 53 hits, 13 doubles, 15 home runs, and 41 mm. RBIs that's from a, the Hedgesville kid. That's a great program too. Yeah. They, they've gone yeah. to regionals and super regionals, and they're 33 and seven this year. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, crazy like thing Kyle's too. He's underclassman. He's a sophomore. Yeah. Yeah, and he's been, I mean, he's been balling out all season long. So, shout out Kyle. Uh, we'll have to put him on the radar. Didn't even uh, have him on my radar at the moment. So, thank you, Texter. <laughs> you can always text us, 304-263-4321. We'll step aside one final time. We'll come back. We'll get Parker's picks and start to wrap things up here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchival Building. Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 luck. Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. So let's play a little catch up with Parker's picks because, of course, I wasn't here on Monday. So over the weekend, I come at me that you can say this is why I wasn't here Monday. <laughs> Hide yourself. I, I, I goose-egged on Friday. Ooh, I you didn't get a single one? No, LeBron's 25-plus didn't hit. We didn't have Jeff Mc... Oh, was that right? You were, you were at a Motel 6 with a baseball bat held over your head waiting for a knock. Okay, the yeah, so that... Yeah, so I, I picked the, so I picked the Dodgers to beat the Cubs. That's the game where uh, Drew Smiley almost threw a perfect game. So I had the Celtics beating the Hawks. The Hawks ended up winning that one. And I had Julius Randle going over 22.5 points, and the Knicks played one of their worst games yeah, of the season in that game. So that was kind of a rough one over the weekend, but my Monday picks 
was a perfect slate. So I guess we can split 500 on that one. My, yesterday's lock was the Braves beating the Marlins. They ended up winning that one 11 to nothing. So that was a really, really good lock for the Monday. And then we had the Lakers beating the Grizzlies, which ended up paying out. And then the Diamondbacks beating the Royals. And the Diamondbacks ended up winning that one 5 to 4. So for today, it's all NBA picks for today. And lock in. So this is like the first ever Parker's picks. So the way these, the way these are lined out, is there's three picks for each one of the NBA playoff games tonight because they, they all look like complete blowouts right now for the teams that are favored. All these games, a team is favor is a team is up three to one. So for the first game, this will be the lock of the day put together here in the Celtics Hawks game. So it's Jason Tatum twenty five plus points, the Celtics to win, and the Celtics to win by eight. That is the lock of the day packet. So again, Tatum twenty five plus points, Celtics to win. Celtics win by eight. Now for the Nuggets and the Timberwolves game, the Nuggets win. Anthony Edwards goes for 29 or more points, and Jamal Murray scores 20 20 points or more. So again, Nuggets win. Anthony Edwards, 28.5 points over. Jamal Murray, 20-plus points. Then the final game, Suns win. Devin Booker, 25-plus points. Russell Westbrook, 25-plus points. So it's like packeted together because if I was just going for like basic picks – we would have been in the negative, and you wouldn't win any money. There's no point of doing it. So those are those are your packeted Parker's picks for today. There you go. A little alliteration for you on a Tuesday. So, again, the lock, Tatum 25-plus points, Celtics money line. Triple P, baby. <laughs> that PPP loan. And the, and the Celtics to win by eight. Nuggets to win. Anthony Edwards over on points. Jamal, Jamal Murray 20-plus points. Suns to win. Booker, 25-plus points. Westbrook, 25-plus points. Combo all those together. It's plus 1335. Combo those all together. I think it's going to happen. All three of these series, I think, end tonight, and they all go to round two, being the Celtics, the Nuggets, and the Suns, especially the Suns because there's no Kawhi Leonard, and I don't like the chances of a single – I don't like the chances of Russell Westbrook, Norman Powell, and Eric Gordon leading a uh, team to go into a game six. So those are your Parker's picks for your Tuesday. Best of luck out there. Copy, fade, do what you want with them. Let's let's win some money. And to back you up a little bit, if people are just now tuning into Parker's picks for the first time and hearing that you went over uh, over the weekend, I think that's the first time you've ever gone over. It's been a while since I've overed. It was probably since the fall since I've gone overed. It was uh, it, I don't know what happened. I don't. I, I, I honestly I don't know. I I thought that the next game was going to be a lot better with Julius Randle scoring. What but. I respect about it is you don't come back and pick three winners. Yeah, you, you know. come back and you keep you going. You come back and you you keep, you you don't give pick three winners to be like oh, I'm going to take the easy way out and go at least two for three. You know you come out here and you say we're going to make things more difficult mm-hmm. and make nine locks of the day. I'm hey I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the way it's laid out is just with the games tonight. You're, there's not much of an opportunity to look at it for money. I was looking at baseball for day two. I mean, I didn't really like anything off the top or anything. I was, actually was looking at that uh, Rockies-Guardians game, see if there was we a— We getting uh, any time hit on— Well, I was looking to see Brent if Brent Doyle had any time hit. He wasn't listed on your— <laughs> uh, or, or I would have taken it just to have fun cool. with that, but— no, it wasn't there. I came really close yesterday. To I wonder what up. his rookie of the year odds right now. Could I put a dollar to win like two thousand dollars? Brent Doyle, Rich- oh, I probably even, rookie. Well, no disrespect to Brent, but it might be a little bit more than two thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, out of the NL, who who really is there? Jordan Walker, and then like who else? Brent I mean, Doyle. I just Brent Doyle. Him. Certainly not C.J. Abrams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he did he did himself out of that first game with six errors single handedly. Oh, Poor guy. 
Uh, but earlier in the show, we were talking about uh, the Hagerstown baseball team naming uh, David Blankenstone their uh, newest GM. And they went on in that press conference, of course, talk about the naming of the Hagerstown baseball team. They were the Suns for forever and ever and ever. They were the Suns. Uh, but they will not be the Suns any longer. Now, the group behind, I think what's called the Domino Group or something, um, they were behind the Charleston Dirty Birds, the Trash Pandas. I mean, all the wild and wonderful and wacky uh, minor league baseball names the last couple of years. This group has been a part of, and the way they're doing it is they're going to open it up to the public through the Herald Barrel uh, newspaper. You can submit your you know, name ideas and things. So my question here in the last eight minutes of the show is, uh, what do you think? the Hagerstown baseball team, professional baseball team name, should be. Text us, 304-263-4321. Parker, mean you were kind of brainstorming a little bit uh, because you were like, well, what's Hagerstown known for? And I said, well, among other things, of course, um, (laughs) trains and stuff, right? I mean, it's Hub City, things like that. So maybe the engineers, but that's kind of a whack whack minor league baseball name, especially if you're putting it up against the Dirty Birds and the Trash Pandas and things like that. So, what do you guys think? I mean, Luke, you're a, you're a newbie to the area. You don't have a whole lot of, I guess, historical knowledge of the things around. So what do you think a Hagerstown baseball how, team name would be? How about either the Hagerstown Conductors or the Hagerstown Panhandlers? How about that? Hagerstown Panhandlers? Because isn't Hagerstown also in Maryland's pan- Panhandle? Oh, uh, technically. Does Maryland, do they count Maryland having a Panhandle? I guess it is. Yeah. Then why wouldn't it be? And then they're right next to our Panhandle. Well, people would be saying Panhandlers as in the people that are out on dual highway well, and stuff nowadays. <laughs> but that's everywhere. You're getting it everywhere. Listen, I don't mind the Panhandle. That's a funny one. What do you think, Park? Well, I brought up the uh, maybe the Express as a potential name, maybe the Hagerstown Express, kind of tying in that train history with it there. I'm just looking at some random names right now. We, we got the uh, the Base Invaders. The Base Invaders? I don't mind that. Did you just do like minor league baseball name generator or something? Basically, yeah. Hit so. chat, chat GPT up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, name a minor league baseball team in Hagerstown. I bet you it would give I bet you that would spit out some things. The ba- the base invaders is honestly a kind of a cool name. The I, base I invaders like is bad. Let's see. We've got the uh There's, I mean you can go a Civil War angle, like the oh, cannoneers yeah? or something like that. The yeah. riflemen. The cannonballs. Yeah. Hmm. Well, Texas, what you think? What do you think a uh Hagerstown ba- professional baseball team name should be? Now, of course. The mascot for the Suns was not a son. It was uh, Wooly B, which is the local uh, caterpillars around uh, this area of the country. So uh, what about the, the, the Wooly B? Oh, my sister just texted me, said the Hagerstown Townies. There you the go. Townies. The, the Townies. The Hagers. The Hagers. The Hagers. Townies, she said. The Hagers Townies. So. You, you could do something like the Militia as well. You could do the Hagerstown Militia, potentially. you got the Shockers. You've got the Knights. Shockers. <laughs> There, I'm uh, I'm asking Chat GPT to do something for me. See oh if it'll do it. Everybody, man, everybody's on Chat GPT. All Did of a if you can download it, it's, oh, it just said name. <laughs> it said, why don't you? I, the minor league baseball team or a minor league baseball team in Hagerstown should be called the Suns. No way. Ah, wow. that's literally what it said. Shocking. Way to connect the dots there, I'm pal. Gonna run it back. Run that back. <laughs> it said it again with a period this time so it means it, Yo, it's it meant doubling it down. that time. meant it, it is doubling down but Emphasis. we still got a uh, a few months until that uh, whole process really gets going of course it'll be through the herald mail and we'll be talking about it of course too because i'll be interested to see what the general public uh would like the name to be but you can text us 304-263-4321 hagerstown get baseball professional baseball yet again i mean i think when I was a kid, we'd always go up to Suns games for like uh, the, like the last couple of days of school. You know, last week of school, you go to the game and they have an, like eleven o'clock game and it's filled with kids. And I think 
most of the times I ever went to those, I think majority of schools were all Berkeley County schools anyway. So uh, everybody likes to go up there and watch a little baseball. And this stadium, man, should be pretty cool. Have you guys ever seen the the Charlotte Knights Stadium? You Can't ever looked that up? Can't say look, that I have. Look that up. That's probably, I mean, of course it's minor league, but I put that on par with PNC. At least with the backdrop, you got the city there. Of course, you can't beat PNC. PNC is its own thing, but I think it'll be Truth pretty cool downtown. Feels. Yeah, it's it's nice, man. I think it's always ranked top like three, five of the best. Oh, uh, wow. oh I've seen pictures. Yeah, oh, yeah, this is cool. It's like it's overlooking the cool. city. That's really cool. So that's what the potential plan is for baseball in downtown Hagerstown. Of course, congratulations uh, to the new general manager, David Blankstone. It'd be pretty fun. Pretty fun stuff. You guys, uh, will you go up to a game? I'm sure you guys will go to a game. Oh, yeah. I'll be there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Front row, baby. We'll be there. I'll, yeah. be, the, I'll be the voice of the Hagerstown team. How about <laughs> that? Go. Now, what do you think uh, tickets should be? I mean, that's a tough That's a tough What's question. This? I'm trying to think of the saying in, uh, in soccer. Uh, 20 is plenty, but that's that's too much for minor league baseball. Uh, like 10, maybe. 10, yeah, 10 bucks. We'll draw the line in the half, call it 10. Maybe fifteen for ten is zen. There you go, ten bucks. Ten, I think that's about ten, right. Ten's about right. What five and under, free? Yeah, five. five Catch us there the first dollar hot dog night. Make some decisions. How about that? <laughs> what's, what's the name of that one yeah. store? Five or below? There needs to be a dollar hot dog night. Oh, yeah. I'll yeah. pay. Tw- I'll pay twenty dollars. <laughs> I'll pay fifty dollars to get it for a dollar hot dog night. Tell you what, he'll pay for everyone's hot dogs. That's right. I'll get everybody's <laughs> hot dogs. The, the oh, busy generals, gosh. man. That's what. They, that's what they should be called. But if you missed today's show, Dave, listen back to it a little bit later on. Pay Hate on News Network, Facebook, and Spotify page. For Parker and Luke, I am Jordan. And if you missed today's show, like I said, listen back. You can always text us, 304-263-4321. Let us know what you think this Hagerstown baseball team uh, should be called because, well, it's going to be open to the public. So whatever you want, it could possibly be it. But you get in touch with us, text us, tweet us. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.